0: What's going on, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Wade's World. And this week we have NFL Week 10 Review. Um, I'll be honest, I didn't really get to watch much football this week at all, Um, just being busy with other things. But uh, I did – I watched the Lions-Bears game in full. I saw bits and pieces of the Ravens-Bengals. I saw a little bit – mostly just the ending of Chiefs-Titans. Um – I saw the ending of Dolphins Colts. I watched a good part of Packers Panthers, a little bit of Rams Steelers, a little bit of Vikings Cowboys, but that was it. So those are the main games I'll have things to say about based on what I saw. Uh, The rest will just be kind of, you know, a read and react of where the teams go from now. So I started off Thursday night, Oakland and the Chargers. And I said, whoever wins that game, I think still kind of keeps themselves alive in the playoff hunt, and Oakland won 5-4. and four. So they're only a game back at Kansas City now, um, which I don't really expect Oakland to make a run for the division. But, hey, Kansas City doesn't look really that great this year. Um, part of it was Mahomes coming back from injury. Um, another part is their defense is just bad, like worse than last year. Um, but, you know, uh, it, it helps them that they're in the AFC. The AFC is much less competitive then the NFC. uh, The NFC is just a complete m- meat grinder of everyone just beating each other, and it's a it's an entire bloodbath. Um, the Ravens-Bengals game, I mean, they're, I didn't really need to watch anything. I saw Lamar had a few good runs, a couple touchdown passes. But, I, I mean, the Bengals are in full-on tank mode. It looks like they'll probably get the number one pick. They've already benched Andy Dalton. The Dolphins already won two games for some reason. Um, the Redskins, I mean, maybe, but the Bengals haven't won. There's no point in them winning a game at this point. Um, so, you know, a pretty typical game, how it should have gone. Uh, the, the Ravens kind of struggled the first time they played the Bengals, but this time they took care of business. Not really much to be said about that game. Uh, the Bills and Browns game was kind of surprising. I mean, going into the season, this is not necessarily how the game was supposed to go, but this was the result that was supposed to happen. The Browns ended up winning 19-16. to Baker Mayfield led a game-winning drive. Josh Allen led the Bills into field goal range, and Stephen Hauschka missed the kick. Uh, really about all there was to it. Um, in third quarter, Freddie Kitchens called a timeout with, like, two seconds to go instead of just letting the quarter end and resume play in the fourth quarter. And it was the Bills had the ball. So the Bills were just going to let the time run out. And for some reason, Freddie's Kitchen called a timeout. I don't know what Freddie Kitchens is doing most of the time. Um, He's just not a very good coach. I've been saying that. Uh, Baker, you know, 26 for 38, 238 yards, two touchdowns. That's that's not bad. There's, you know, the turnovers weren't there. So that's that's something good to be said about it. A couple touchdowns, but... You know, the Browns team, you know, 19 points just isn't – that's not what people were expecting going into the year. They've, they're they still underperforming even though they are winning. Um, and the Bills' defense, I mean, it, it's a good game in terms of score. They just didn't get the takeaways. And if they get the takeaways, they probably win the game. So the Bills are still in the hunt. I mean, obviously the Browns are if they completely went out, which I don't see happening. Uh but the Bills are still on the hunt. They still have a favorable schedule. It's just this would have been a really nice game for them to win. Uh, so the Falcons-Saints game, I didn't get to see a single second of it. I don't know how the Falcons ended up winning 26-9 in New Orleans. Um, I mean, Alan Kamara being the leading rusher with four carries for 24 yards, probably a big part of it. But I, I didn't see this coming. I didn't see the game, so I can't really speak on it. Um, I don't know if it was a trap game situation, but just from w- watching the scrolling ticker at the bottom and seeing that the Falcons were literally in charge of the game, the entire game, I don't, I don't know what happened. I don't know what to make of it really. Um, I mean, good teams slip up, It slip up, it happens, but that's definitely beyond expected. Um, I still think the Saints are the best team in the NFC um but yeah that's just I don't know just bad week from a good team I guess uh the Chiefs and Titans game and like I said I did get to watch the end of this in a little bit here and there um and really it it applies to every team but specifically for the Titans when they have their offensive line playing well they're a very good team and when they aren't they're very, very bad. So it's kind of a very extreme thing. And with their offensive line being so inconsistent, um, Derek Henry actually looked like a good running back, which he does from time to time. But a lot of the times he looks like he probably shouldn't be in the league, but 23 carries, 188 yards and two touchdowns, put up crazy numbers. Mahomes put up crazy numbers in his first game back. I mean, that's to be expected, 36 for 50, 446, three touchdowns. And Tannehill, you know, a solid 13 for 19, 181 yards and two touchdowns. Um, yeah, that's just an insane game. Uh, I do think that the Titans were offside on the blocked field goal, but didn't call it. It looked like he jumped. They didn't – I don't think the announcers even really talked about it. Um, so maybe it wasn't as obvious as I thought it was seeing it, but I know myself and then a couple of my friends uh, having talked about the game, we thought he was offsides, but, you know – I don't mind seeing the Chiefs lose, so uh, it helps the Titans stay in the playoff playoff race. I know I said last week that I don't think they'll make it. I still don't think they'll make it. I thought they would have lost this game, but uh, it it certainly helps them, especially being in the AFC. And then the Colts and Dolphins game that's 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 a tough one for Indy. Uh, Indy tends to play down to their competition and not having Jacoby Brissett. Um, really, really hurt them. Brian Hoyer had three interceptions, which is just not what you expect from a veteran coming in. You expect, you expect your veteran backup quarterback to basically just be a game manager. Just, just get it to the playmakers, which I know T.Y. Hilton is still hurt. Eric Ebron had some drops, a fumble. Um, actually, no, it wasn't a fumble. It was a ball that literally just got ripped out of his hands in the end zone, which turns into... To an interception uh Vinatieri missing more kicks which ended up costing them again uh i mean that it's a really bad loss and it pretty much just shows that jacoby Brissett needs to get back because giving up 16 points is not bad that it, it's not on the defense um but three interceptions it's you shouldn't be doing that especially against a team like the dolphins and marlon mack 19 carries 74 yards not the greatest, you know, yards per carry right there, but, you know, it, it, he didn't have a terrible game. Um, they need T.Y. Hilton back, and they need Jacoby Brissett. I still like them to make the playoffs, but that's, that's a bad loss to a team that is trying to lose. Um, I'll touch on the Bears game real quick. Uh, they won 20-13. to 13, Trubisky went 16 for 23, 173 yards and three touchdowns. And he did make some really, really nice passes. There were two or three passes that were exactly where they needed to be. They weren't just first read. They were good touch on them, you know, the exact spot they needed to be. But it's not something to get extremely excited about. This is one of the bottom defenses in the league that we just beat. And also it's Jeff Driscoll that you just beat instead of Matthew Stafford, who was ruled out, like, right before the game. Yes, Driscoll is better mobily than Stafford and didn't play a terrible game, but he's not the threat that Matt Stafford is. Matt Stafford is the gunslinger type, and he can make plays happen. And really, I mean, Danny Trevathan... Broke his elbow, uh, trying to avoid a penalty, and you know that that's a that's a big loss for the Bears defense, who's already had Akeem Hicks break his elbow, um, and Trevathan's probably on IR now after it. So, uh, I mean, you get you get a little bit of momentum for Mitch, I guess. Um, the play calling wasn't bad this week for once, but really there were times in the game where the Bears should have just put them away completely, but they've let them back into the game and the Lions had a chance to go down and score. And I'm assuming they probably would have gone for two, having already had a tie earlier this year and being on the road and not really you know, they basically would have needed to win out from that point to give themselves a shot. Uh so I don't think they would have played for overtime. I think they would have went for two so Essentially, you gave them a chance at a game-winning drive when the game should have been put away long ago. Uh, so, I mean, the Bears, they get the Rams next Sunday night. That's that's a big game for both teams, um, just based on where they each sit in the division standings. Well, wild-card standings, because neither one has a chance at their division. Um, so that's a big game for both of them. But, I don't know, it's just... As a Bears fan, I don't think it's much to be excited about. It just means your season's still kind of alive. Um, I didn't get to see the Giants-Jets game. Uh, I know Daniel Jones threw four touchdowns. Uh, Saquon Barkley had one yard, so that's less than ideal. And there was a play where Jamal Adams literally just ripped the ball directly out of Daniel Jones' hands. Daniel Jones does have a big fumble problem. Um... I don't know how they go about correcting it, but he fumbles a lot. Granted, someone just coming in, bullying you and ripping the ball out of your hands, maybe that's just a better player and, you know, that's not going to happen often. But he fumbled a lot in the preseason. He's fumbled a lot this season. Um, The Jets, I mean, this game didn't mean anything. Both teams now have two wins. Uh, all it's going to affect is draft positioning and neither team's going to take a quarterback. They're probably going to take defense, both sides, um, maybe, maybe offensive linemen. but so yeah, not, not any huge implications on that game. Really? Uh, the Buccaneers finally won another game. Jameis Winston put up his usual type of numbers where he throws for 358 yards, but turns the ball over twice. Kyler Murray looked good again, um, Didn't get to see the game, but put up good numbers, I should say. So 27 for 44, 324 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. He's already doing better than I thought he would. All three of those touchdowns were to Christian Kirk. um, And Larry Fitzgerald had a crazy one-handed catch on the sideline. Uh, I am sad that this is probably Larry Fitz's last year, just because I really wanted to see him go out on a good year. And, I mean, the Cardinals just aren't good this year, and they probably won't be good next year either, but... Um, Kyler Murray is surprising me. He he's done a lot better than I thought he would. Um, just purely, pretty much because of size. But he, like I've said many times on this podcast, he is the fastest player out there. He he looks like one of the most athletic guys on the field at all times. So he does have that going for him, and he does have a good arm. It's literally just a matter of size, and I'm worried that it'll be fragile because uh, he's not like a stocky short either. He he's like short and skinny, so. It's not the best combination when you're playing football, but hopefully he develops into something. The Buccaneers' entire offense is just let Jameis rip almost 50 times a game, and I don't think they're ever going to get anywhere with it. But, you know, he shows flashes, but it, I think that, you know, the Jameis Winston experiment is over. You you need to bring in someone else. Uh, the Panthers-Packers game, Um Told me a few things. Uh, it told me that I think Carolina is for real about the reports on trading Cam Newton at the end of the year or cutting him, um, whichever. Because Kyle Allen's not bad. Um, I I don't know if he's going to be a franchise quarterback, but he's, he's certainly good enough to be a placeholder in the meantime. Uh, the defense isn't great. They, they, they take the ball out. They take the ball away um, fairly well this year. They just didn't do it because Aaron Rodgers doesn't really turn the ball over. And, I mean, that you can't blame them for that. But, I mean, holding Aaron Rodgers to 17 for 29 with 233 yards, that's, that's pretty solid. Granted, letting Aaron Jones, 13 carries, 93 yards, and three touchdowns, that's not good. Um, but, you know, the defense is okay. It, it's not great. It's not bad. McCaffrey had 20 carries, 108 yards, and a touchdown. And at first glimpse, I thought on the last play of the game that he got in. uh, But there was no definitive angle either way. So I think if they called it on the field, it would have stood. Um, And I think if they, you know, obviously they didn't say that he got in, then it obviously didn't get turned over. But I thought at first look he got in. um, But he, as he was falling backwards, he didn't extend it towards the end zone at all, which had he been able to, he obviously would have been in, but it was just a matter of where the ball was on his chest and you, could, you couldn't you could get a good look at it, um, which even if he got in, they still would have had to go for two to tie it because earlier when the Panthers scored, they went for two and they didn't get it. And I mean, I'm not a big analytics guy, but I understand the analytics of why they do it. I've heard it explained more, multiple times. So basically, I'll just explain it for you guys in case you don't understand why they did it. Um, So the analytics say that if you are down by by 14 points and you score and you think that there's only going to be one more score in regulation and it's going to be you guys scoring a touchdown. So this is assuming that you stop them completely and this is assuming that you don't kick field goals, you just go down and score a touchdown again, okay? So the percentage the numbers say that it is more than 50% that you're going to that you're going to successfully convert a two-point conversion. And I don't know the exact percentages on all of this. I just know it's over 50 that you convert the two-point conversion and it's like 90 something 90ish for extra points. So analytically, it is more likely for you to get one of the two-point conversions, which keep in mind, if you get the first two-point conversion, you no longer have to go for two the next time. You can just kick an extra point and you would win by one. But if you don't get the first two-point conversion, you are still more than likely going to get the next one which would tie the game and send you to overtime anyway. But it's all about trying to avoid overtime because it's a 50-50 shot on if you win the coin toss and if you get the ball first. And that's, you know, under, under the current NFL rules, that's huge because you go down, you score a touchdown, it's game over. So essentially you have a better percentage chance of winning by going for two And getting one of them, well, getting the first one specifically, because that is higher than 50% chance. Getting the ball in overtime is only 50% chance. So there's always the chance that, you know, you do the two extra points and then you go to overtime, you don't get the ball, your defense gives up a touchdown, game over. So, analytically speaking, it is smarter to go for two, hope you get it the first time, because more than likely you will, and then score another touchdown, kick the extra point, you win, and you don't have to worry about overtime. So that's the the analytics behind it. That's also why coaches go for the win um, when they're going for two. It's just a matter of not trusting the coin flip. And really, uh, I mean, I think it's just... I don't want to say it's not trusting your defense cuz you if you're doing that you have to trust that your defense gets stops cuz otherwise the analytics are kind of thrown out the window. And it's not not trusting your kicker cuz I mean it's more more likely that they're going to hit two extra points than it is that you're going to hit one one of two uh one of two two point conversions. So it's just it's just coaches have analytics sheets. Well, the coaches who believe in analytics, Freddie Kitchen says he doesn't even believe in stats. Uh, And this man is a head coach in the NFL. Just want to remind everyone of that. So it makes more sense, I guess, by the numbers to do it that way. Um, Some coaches will have analytics on when they should go for it, on fourth and three at their own 45 based on game situation and how like there's just teams have analytic guys who just plug in all these numbers and it simulates and comes up with all this data on telling you what the percentages are like, Oh, you're probably going to punt for a touchback. You might as well go for it or kicking condition. You know, it's just, it's a lot of that. It takes a lot of the thinking out of coaching and just, oh, the numbers say this, do that. So I'm not a huge fan of it, but I understand it. I mean, numbers are numbers. They're hard to argue with. It's obviously context between everything. So, you know, you have to keep that in mind. It, it It's not just a completely mindless decision. You do have to be aware that, you know, field conditions, kicking conditions, uh, the other team, what they've been doing, things like that, that I don't know that analytics necessarily account for but that's just that's just a an explanation of it um that's what i've you know listened to from you know nfl experts and analysts and all of that so just wanted to kind of share that just because i I do see a lot of people constantly questioning why go for two in this situation why go for it in that situation like that's why it, it's it's a numbers based decision. All right, so that's really it. The, I mean, the Packers that was a very losable game for them, and I think the Panthers are good. So, had they lost the game, it's not like a bad loss. Um, but I do think uh, my friend Johnny and I were talking about this that any pretty much any team that gets into the playoffs out of the NFC, if they made it to the Super Bowl, you wouldn't be surprised by that team because the NFC is that good. Any team who is good enough to make it into the playoffs in the NFC, I think, is good enough to make it to the Super Bowl. So that makes for a very exciting playoff that I'm excited for. Um, yeah, that's really it for that game. Uh, the Rams and Steelers game, Steelers won their fourth in a row, 17-12 against the Rams. Um, Jared Goff is not good. I will continue saying this. Uh, he is... Literally just Mitch Trubisky in a better situation in terms of his offense. Uh, he, his weapons are a little bit better. Not that Mitch has bad weapons. His coach is a lot better. Sean McVay is a much better coach than Matt Nagy uh, because Sean McVay is willing to change and not as stubborn and hard-headed. They're, they're similar, but Sh- Sean McVay is better. And Jared Goff is not good. He's not good. He is making $121 million. Uh, him and Kirk Cousins, who, yes, got his first primetime win and is apparently his signature win, which I'll talk about in a second. They're both terribly overpaid. They're, neither one of them is good. Um, Todd Gurley, I don't know. Uh, I still think he's he's got something. He's never going to be the same again, I don't think, uh, just from watching him and seeing – how he's used. Because 12 carries, 73 yards is really good. In a game that's basically one score the whole way, you need to use him more. And I I think, I think that Sean McVeigh is smart enough to realize that. But he just doesn't. So I think that something has to be seriously wrong with Todd Gurley. And he has arthritis in his knees. That's why he slipped a couple of spots when he got drafted. But I mean it catches up to you. It I just think that, you know, his run might be over. He had a lot of workload early in his career and I mean, he's still a good back. Don't get me wrong, but he's just not going to be the same Todd Gurley that Todd Gurley was before la before the beginning of this year, before the playoffs, really. Cuz he fell off last playoffs. Um the Steelers, I mean, they're they're right there in the hunt too. Like I said, the AFC not very good. Um they realistically should be six and three well that's kind of unfair because they should have beat the ravens had juju not fumbled in overtime but then again the colts should have beat them if vinitary didn't miss the kick so it's kind of a here or there thing but you know i i don't know like i said the rams have a big game sunday night with the bears uh if they lose, they're five and five and tied with the Bears. But the Bears would have the tiebreaker if they were to come into something. But I don't think they do. I think best case scenario preseason I said Bears eleven and five. Now I'm saying best case scenario is ten and six. More realistically, they'll be eight and eight, nine and seven. But uh, either way, I've been saying the entire year Rams not good, average at best. Uh, and that's really all all I have to say about that one. Um, Vikings-Cowboys game. Teams literally just attempt to shut down Zeke, make Dak throw, which is what Minnesota did, and Dak had a pretty good game. I mean, a great game, really. 28 for 46, 397 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. It's a great game. It just fell a little short, and Minnesota's just going to lean on Dalvin Cook. Everyone's saying this is Kirk Cousins' signature win, he now has like uh, eight, nine wins in his career against teams with an above five hundred record. He is now, I think, one for 10 in primetime games in his career. 23 for 32, 220 yards, two touchdowns. Seven of those passes and 86 yards are Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook also had 26 carries, 97 yards, one touchdown. That's Dalvin Cook. That is not Kirk Cousins. It, I, I watched decent part of the game, and that's not just, no, that's not just, you know, Kirk Cousins managing the game or whatever, which granted he did. He did a good job. He didn't turn the ball over, which is really all he needs to do, but he's not an $84 million quarterback. That's that's not good. Um, as for the Cowboys, I mean, they, they need Zeke to be able to get going. Because, like I said, Dak put up good numbers. He played a good game. But the key is to have Zeke be effective. 20 carries for 47 yards isn't going to get it done. No matter who you're playing against, that's not going to get it done. And, like I said, come playoff time, that's going to be the recipe. Shut Zeke down. Make Dak beat you. Even if Dak puts up really good numbers, and... It could be like this and here in the case where good numbers, no win, and in the playoffs, that's what matters is the win. And now I'm still saying that that the Cowboys are better than the Eagles. I've said it all year. I still think they'll get in over the Eagles. They're they're now tied, but uh, they do have the win over the Eagles. And if they beat them another time, you know, then they clinch the tiebreaker between them. And they have, the, they have the divisional wins on the Eagles and all of that. So I, I still do like the Cowboys to win the NFC East. But uh, this was – it's not a bad loss by any means because Minnesota is 7-3. It's not like, like Minnesota is a bad team. But it was a game that they – I don't want to say needed to win, but it would have been very, very favorable for them had they won and been up a game with the tiebreaker rather than tied with the tiebreaker uh and then the minute or the San Francisco game and the Seattle game I didn't get to watch any of it. I just saw all the highlights and kind of followed along on my phone and Russell Wilson made made some plays uh based on the highlights I saw, but also the interception he threw in overtime looked like a very badly thrown ball um it looked like. The receiver was open, and he just underthrew him. Um, And then they were lucky enough to have the 49ers shank a game-winning kick. And then Russell Wilson made made a big play on a scramble to get them within field goal range. So he ended up making the play he needed to make. Uh, A lot of the throws that he made that I saw from the highlights were pocket collapsing, scrambling, keeping the play alive. His touchdown was a nice little just little touch over the top of everybody um, floating it into the end zone for Hollister. And I mean Carson had a good game, 25 carries, 89 yards. But it's I don't know. I the I do think that the Seahawks win the division, but what I really want to happen, so I want both teams to win out except for the next time Seattle plays San Francisco, I want Seattle to win. So then both teams finish 14 and 2 and Seattle has the tiebreaker. So then San Francisco is a 14 and 2 wild card team and the reason I want that to happen is because I think maybe maybe if the NFL sees a 14 and 2 team have to go on the road in the wild card round <laughs> i hope I hope that that will make them rearrange the seating now I'm not saying if both of them go fourteen and two and say the Saints and Packers finish worse than fourteen and two I'm not saying that they should both get buys. I think maybe maybe that be the benefit of the tiebreaker maybe Seattle would get a buy but San Francisco gets the three seed, and they get to at least host a playoff game instead of having to go on the, on the road, because that's stupid. That is dumb. The NBA used to be like that, and you'd have 60 win teams playing in the second round because there were three or four, and that, that's bad. That's, you want the best teams in the conference championships. And if you make San Francisco the three, okay, so if you make them the three seed, they would still play Seattle, the one seed, in the NFC Championship in this like scenario that I'm painting here. So I'm hoping for that just so that maybe we can get some reformation. It doesn't really affect me as a fan. I'm not a fan of either team. I, I think Russell Wilson's the MVP still. Granted, I was hoping that he would go off a little bit more in this game. Um, I know Lamar Jackson's odds are closing in on... Russell Wilson, which I, I don't think, that, I mean, Lamar Jackson is good, obviously, but he's just too much of a pure runner. Yeah, he, he had a good game this week throwing the ball. It's against the Bengals. Calm down. He had a good week against the Dolphins. Dolphins, calm down. But, it's just, I I think Russell Wilson's the MVP. Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, there was a stat where, he was it was something like like five for 19 on throws over 10 yards or something ridiculous like that. Um, I don't know the exact stat off my off top head, but I saw it earlier today. And yeah, so I think this this division is between these two teams. I'd I'd say the Rams are safely out of it. And I do still think that Seattle wins it, but I just really want both teams to finish 14 and two for the for the reformation just so it can be fixed. Because there's no reason for it to be the way it is now. There's no reason the Chargers should have gone on the road for a playoff game at 12-4 last year just because they happened to be in the same division as a team that went 13-3, which they beat one out of two times. So it's not even like, you know, they were clearly the inferior team. It's just, you know, teams slip up. So they happen to slip up one more time than... They happen to slip up one more time than the Chiefs did. It happens. But that's going to be it for this episode, guys. Uh, I'll be back next week around the same time. Uh, same thing. I'll, I should be able to watch quite a bit more of the games next week. I won't be as busy. So, uh, as always, thank you guys for listening. Peace.